0: I'm going to attempt to present the Rebbe's view that all of Torah intersects by dissembling one verse of the Torah, Rashi's 11th century explanation of it, and the Rebbe's unique insight. Along the way, we will travel through a bit of Talmud, explore a seemingly unrelated law presented by Maimonides in his 12th century halachic legal work, as well as a Hasidic understanding of a fruit and a practical application for our lives. The Jewish people were commanded to construct a temple and to build particular structures inside of it. Amongst the most famous items were the menorah. This menorah was made from a single block of solid gold welded into a 7 branch candelabrum that was lit each day. The fuel for this menorah will be our first subject matter. The verse, setting out the rules for the oil, says the following. Ve'atah t'tzaveh es b'nei Yisrael Shemen, Zayis, Zoch, Kassis Lama'or. And you shall instruct the children of Israel that they should take for themselves pure olive oil, etc. Zach, pure, that will be our subject. Rashi informs us that this means beli shimarin the oil should have no sediment fair enough the obvious question though is why rashi feels a need to explain this at all then rashi continues with what seems like an attempt to prove his position by adding the following kimo as we've learned in the Talmudic volume of Menachos, one lets it ripen, picks it from the top of the olive tree, etc. This means, it appears, that the sun is allowed to shine on the olives, making them super rife and soft and then when they're picked off of the tree we press on the olives in a process called kotesh in hebrew pressing or pounding and the juice that oil flows out easily the words of the Torah verse, which Rashi uses as his starting point, are important. He really only needs one, Zach, pure. That indeed is what he's attempting to comment on and trying to explain. But he brings three words, and you shall command, comma, zakh, pure. What relevance does and you shall command have to the conversation about the purity level of oil? Furthermore, the Gemara which Rashi is quoting, the Talmudic source, says, One lets it ripen and plucks it from the top of the tree and crushes it. Crushing seems to be relevant to this story, but Rashi stops after telling us that it ripens at the top of the olive tree and writes etc. instead of finishing the point about pressing it. Why would he do that? Alright. Here's Rashi's here's I'm sorry, here's the Rebbe's explanation. Because the full verse under discussion, it's Shemon Zayaz, Kasi or Pure Olive Oil, pounded, crushed for that shining luminary, for the menorah. But which to understand the Rebbe's explanation needs to truly be translated in the order of the words, even though it's a bit awkward in English. And so I'm going to present it to you just slightly different. Oil, olive, pure, crushed, for the lamps. Again, you have oil, olive, pure, crushed. So what is pure? Oil, olive, pure, crushed. Is the oil what is pure? Then it should say, pure oil. Is the olive what is pure? What's going on here? The text would seem to argue for the olive itself being pure. In fact, Evan Ezra writes that the olive may not be rotten. It may not be chewed. And that actually does seem to be what's in the text. Rashi, however, wants to argue that the word pure is referring to the oil, not to the olive. To prove this, the Rebbe would say, he quotes the first two words, v'ata titzavah and you shall command." Rashi's quoting of these two words, and you, Moshe, are commanding, is important. Because if it's Moshe that's making this commandment, well then who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the Jewish people. Where is he speaking to them? In the desert. That they should take pure olive oil? From where? There's no olives in the desert. We must be speaking about old, possibly moldy, possibly chewed by animal, olives. They could not have always had access to olive groves. They were not in Israel. They're traveling. If that's the case, then the Torah must be telling us that the oil, and not the olive, should be of the purest quality. Now, of course, they could have brought good, clean olives from Egypt with them, certainly an option. But by quoting the Gemara, that Megargar Barosha Elon, that you are ripening and plucking the olives from the top of the tree, Rashi wants us to know that it really does not need to be an olive which is whole and beautiful. Because if we think about it, the top of the tree is the part of the tree that is most susceptible to little nibbling by the birds who are going to pick the olive. Further driving home this point, that it's the oil and not the olive, which in Rashi's opinion must be pure. All right, this answers the technical questions. Now Rashi makes other points which the Rebbe is going to bring out. First of all, he's going to show us how this has practical halachic relevance to us. Second of all, he's going to teach us how we apply this to our lives in a moral application through the lens of chasidus. Number one. The Rambam teaches that everything that we do for Hashem should be done in the best possible way. If you are building a synagogue, a shul, it should be nicer than your house. If you're feeding the poor, it should be good food. If you're clothing them, it should be done in an honorable way. How far does this extend? Does this extend to the preparation as well? Is there a mitzvah to choose fine bolts of cloth? with which to create fine clothes and then to give those to the poor? Can our olive give us any sort of insight here? Well, perhaps. Perhaps if purity refers to the olive and not to the oil, then, in fact, you would need to go and seek out the best possible preparatory materials for every mitzvah that you intend to do. That would, in fact, be the view of Ebenezer. But if we're only concerned with the purity of the oil, Rashi's view, then we can extend this and say that Rashi might argue that the final result is what must be beautiful and not necessarily the process. Finally, how do we apply this in our own moral lives? Chassidus teaches that there are two ideas which are present in an olive. The initial natural state of an olive is bitter. This is reflective of a person who wants to serve Hashem, but is struggling with their negative impulses. They feel bitter. They feel pressured. They feel that the only way to win is to suppress their their desires to be connected to Hashem. Like an olive, which must be pounded to produce oil. There's another state. At its core, the olive is that which is understood to be the source of oil. And that oil is emanating. From the darkness, from that crushing, which means that the darkness is really something lofty, all by itself. Seen this way, the struggle to serve Hashem is a wonderful and positive thing, which is going to lead to pure, pure, beautiful results. The Evan Ezra, who argues that the olives themselves must be high quality, would take that first view and say, yeah, you know, maybe you need to suppress your feelings in order to get a pure activity which reaches towards a pure result. Rashi says, no, any olive is great. The most beaten, chewed olive can still produce the highest quality oil. And here the Rebbe stops, allowing us to draw our own lessons about how to apply to apply this to our lives good luck